This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. I want to welcome Wharton marketing professor Pete Fader to join us today to talk about the recent move by Delta Airlines to change its frequent flyer rewards program from one based on miles flown to one based on how much money you spend with the airlines. And um, that means, Pete, that those who spend more will get preferential treatment. And just to give a little context from the airline's point of view, the top 4% of Delta's customers are responsible uh, in dollar spending for about 25% of the revenue. So you can see why they wanted to do something for that group. But, but you have uh, a book about customer centricity that is very much around this point. So could you talk about how that relates to what the airlines and Delta in particular is doing today? The airlines is such an interesting industry because in many ways they brought many of the, the aspects of customer centricity out uh, earlier and perhaps better than any other industry. You know, on the heels of, of being deregulated in the 1970s and right through the 1980s, everything from dynamic pricing to loyalty programs as we know them today, we have to thank or, or blame the airlines for that. They, they did some amazingly progressive things. A lot of people can't even imagine a time without the, the plethora of loyalty programs that we have today, but, but they are a relatively recent innovation. And it was very risky on the part of the airlines to take on all these liabilities and to build all this infrastructure and to come up with all these uh, incentives for people to use these programs. So, so lots of credit to the airlines, of course, Delta included, for making all this happen. But then it all kind of stagnated. They, they started with some really amazing practices, but then those practices haven't changed for the, the 30 years since they first instituted them. So the kind of move that Delta is making here makes total sense, and it should have happened years earlier. And it's a shame that it's taken so long for the major airlines to realize that it's dollars that matter more than miles. Uh, briefly explain what customer centricity is and how it would relate to what they've done here. So in my book, literally, a customer centricity is about a recognition of the differences across your customers. There is no single average customer. There's this wide variety of them, and they vary not only in their, their needs and what they want from a relationship, but they vary in terms of their value to the firm. And it's imperative for a firm to figure out who the most valuable customers are, to start taking on tactics to create more value, to extract some of that value for their shareholders, and to find more customers who resemble those valuable ones to try to bend over backwards to bring them in to try to create and extract value from them as well. So it's a celebration of differences as opposed to let's figure out what the average customer wants. And loyalty programs are a great way for customers to self-select and to provide those kinds of rewards and that value extraction. And again, the airlines have been good about developing those programs, but they haven't been really progressive about changing them for the, 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 our changing understanding of customers and the changing needs for a company and its shareholders. So it makes sense for an airline to want to reward its best customers, best being the ones that give it the most money from whom they get the most revenues. Um, that also means that some customers are going to be less well-off, right? So there'll be some winners and losers. Could you talk about that? 
I don't like to think that there'd be losers. I do like to think about winners. Uh, and, and I'm not saying this just to be politically correct. I, I'm not, I, I don't want companies to be firing customers. I don't want uh, companies to go to customers and, and, and basically treat them badly. The problem is today there are so many companies out there not including the airlines for the most part, that are treating too many customers too well. So no one should be treated badly, but some customers deserve better treatment, and that should be on the basis of what they're worth to the firm. And so this is a step in the right direction. I, I, I don't want to see that any customer is going to be much worse off, but I think that the, the, the incentives associated with an airline loyalty program have been a bit out of whack by rewarding people for miles instead of dollars. So it's not so much giving people less, it's giving them more what they deserve. So um, it might be that under the new Delta program, the ultimate beneficiary would be a frequent flyer who travels, who let's say takes a lot of short trips and does them on short notice because of business reasons or whatever. So they're paying top dollar for the fares. They're not getting any discounts by reserving way in advance. And they're not getting many miles because they're just flying, you know, maybe an hour or so away. Um, and on the other hand, there's the bargain shopper who's, you know, getting the cross-continental flights at bargain rates. And maybe they do that, you know, a couple times a year and they're, and they're getting lots of miles. So they may not be losers, but, they're, but they're, are they, they're going to not get quite the benefits that they've had in the past. So it's a redistribution That's of correct. the benefits. Uh, and while it might be disappointing to those who are getting a little bit less than they uh, got before, it's hard for them to complain about it. Uh, I mean, they, they will complain about it, but, uh, but it's hard to feel a great deal of sympathy for them. I think that the, the structures of the programs, the way that they were set up, were a little artificial, a little bit out of whack. So this is just uh, recalibrating the programs in an appropriate way. I don't see this as an example of a company chiseling away and, and taking away from its customers. I think it really is a, a, just a, a fairer distribution. And, and it really does make sense. If you think about the, the, the principles or the, the metrics that are associated with customer value, uh, one of the rubrics that we celebrate is the notion of RFM, recency, frequency, monetary value. Uh, and so let's reward customers on that basis. So someone who's flying uh, infrequently and they're just taking that occasional big flight and often not paying a lot for it isn't worth as much as someone who's taking a lot of short flights very often and, and indeed paying top dollar for them. So it makes all the sense in the world and it's hard to make an argument to the contrary other than sheer inertia. Is there sometimes a conflict? It seems like there would be between providing good customer service overall and, uh, and customer centricity. So in other words, it's very expensive to provide really good customer service to all your customers. All co companies want to do that. They say they want to do it. There's good reasons for wanting to do it. Whether they can afford it or whether it makes sense are the very items that you're talking about here. How, how do you balance that? How do companies, companies balance that? Companies need to be more selective about who gets that red carpet treatment. And this is actually one area where the airlines have been pretty good, which is to say most people get treated, eh, but, for, but it's, the, it's those who get the upgrades, those who get other kinds of benefits that the airline might offer that are getting that, that special treatment. And again, uh, that should be on the basis of what the customer is worth. Uh, and when I'm talking about worth, I'm not necessarily talking about past profitability. I'm talking about a projection of what we think this customer will be worth in the future. That's how we want to be giving the rewards out. For the most part, the airlines have been very backwards-looking. Let's reward people on what they have done, hoping that that's a mirror to the future. In some cases, it is. 
But I think if we can look at people who are spending big dollars today, as opposed to those who took a few long flights with us, say, six months ago, I think it makes much more sense. And, and, and not only will the, the points be given out in, in, a, in a better manner, but the, but the benefits uh, that customers get will be distributed more appropriately as well. Could you talk about uh, the tools that are available for making uh, decisions about future spending, you know, predictability? How, how do you do that? You talked about some customers may have spent a lot with you recently, but they may not be as valuable as ones where certain metrics show they're the ones that are going to be spending more in the future. What are those metrics? How do you measure that? It all comes down to the notion of customer lifetime value. We're going to look at the, the flow of transactions, the size of transactions, other interactions that we've had with each and every customer, and we're going to make uh, an, an educated guess about what we think that customer will be worth in the future. A lot of people look at this as, as rocket science. Some people find it kind of creepy that we're going to be uh, basing our customer management strategies on a prediction of the future as opposed to the, the certainty of the past. But we've seen a number of industries where these ideas of, of using data, valuing customers, and making tactical decisions on the basis of their projected future value makes a whole lot of sense. The airlines haven't been very good about it. Again, it's ironic that they've put in place a lot of the tactics, again, revenue management schemes, loyalty programs, that enable this kind of management, but they just haven't had either the, the analytic horsepower or the, or, or the guts or the, the corporate culture that enables the use of CLV as much as, as other kinds of industries, like, say, financial services or telecommunications. So this, is, I see, is a step in the right direction. I think in the long run, it's going to be good for the customers, for the right kinds of customers, uh, and good for the airlines as well. Uh, should the other airlines follow suit? I think some actually have preceded Delta. But is it inevitable that the others will? Because the best customers may flock to where the rewards are better, even though they have a stake in past miles in other airlines. I really do believe it makes sense for, for other airlines to be doing the same kind of thing. Again, it took way too long for Delta to step in this direction. But I think all the other big ones should be doing the same thing. And of course, when they do, uh, the, the public and policymakers will say, oh, it's just the airlines ganging up on the poor customer. I don't think that's the case here. Certainly those kinds of things are true in, in other settings uh, when airlines uh, follow each other around. But, but this was a change that, that should have happened long ago and, and, and better uh, that it happened later than never. And I think each of the other airlines will, will do something like this. I'm sure that they'll refine it in terms of the, the specific ways that they, they translate dollars into customer value and the, kind, the way that they, they dole out the benefits as a result. So it's not going to be the same program for everybody, but it's a, just a more sensible way overall for them to be managing the relationship with their customers. So generally speaking, these customer-centric uh, ideas apply across most industries if they follow them. In your view, they, industries would be better off. Are there some industries where they are more valuable to impose than others? First, I want to uh, disagree with the assertion. Okay. I don't want to suggest that, that this idea of customer centricity and, and focusing on certain kinds of customers and treating them differently, I don't think that is true for, for all industries or for all companies. And even in an industry where it does make sense, and I think airlines would be included, as well as retailing, telecommunications, financial services, and others, uh, that doesn't mean that every firm needs to do it. In fact, a healthy ecosystem would consist of some firms that are doing the customer-centric thing, other firms that are focusing on, let's call it performance superiority, where the best, 
and others that are focusing on operational excellence. So it's not a one-size-fits-all strategy. And in particular, in industries where it's really hard to observe what each customer is doing and really hard to target them with individualized messages and treatment and so on, then it's, it's really hard to do the customer-centric thing. So in an industry, say, consumer packaged goods, where it's, it's hard for uh, a Procter & Gamble to know what each and every consumer is doing. And, and, and while they, they spend a lot of time trying to get general understandings of what kinds of customers like certain kinds of products and services, it's hard for them to tailor their offerings uh, quite as well as, say, a, 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 a retailer can. Could you give some examples of other companies that, uh, or, or industries that would be taking a different approach so uh, we can just understand that a little more clearly? Many industries are, are formed around a blockbuster mentality. Let's come up with the next big thing. Let's produce it in great quantities. Let's bring the cost down as we do so. Let's get it out there to our customers as efficiently as possible. So, so, so many companies, so many industries are, are born into that, and it's hard for them to move away from it, even if it might be the best thing for them to do. So it's interesting to look at industries that, again, are, are born into that blockbuster mentality, but are, but are kind of fighting against it these days, such as pharmaceuticals. There, there's a really great example. For them, it's clearly about blockbusters. But some firms in that industry are realizing that they need to go in a slightly different direction. They need to focus a little bit more on doing this customer-centric thing instead of just trying to keep inventing blockbuster new drugs and, and then giving up on them when they go off patent. So that would be just one example of an industry that, that's struggling a bit, that's kind of breaking away in, in some ways from its traditional roots but not abandoning them completely. So what about you personally? Will you be more likely to fly, say, Delta as a result of this kind of a program? What's interesting about the airline industry is that there's so much uh, uh, local virtual monopolies taking place. So living here in Philadelphia, I'm largely locked into U.S. Airways, and that doesn't mean that I'm being held hostage by them. I could switch, but because I am uh, at, at the highest tier for U.S. Airways, and I'm one of those customers who gets treated pretty well, uh, I don't really have a reason to switch away from them. I'm one of the few people who will stand up and say, I like the way that U.S. Airways treats me. Now, it could get even better if they uh, restructure their loyalty program in the way that Delta has. And, and while there's no specific evidence of it, I predict that they will do that as well. So, so I have no reason to, to jump ship and, and try other airlines out. Although, of course, on occasion, uh, for various reasons, uh, I, I'm forced to do so. And as a, as a, as a student of the marketing industry, it's, it is very interesting for me to see the way these different programs play out, the way different kinds of customer service policies play out. I think uh, I'm learning a lot from these different kinds of tactics, and I'm encouraged by the fact that different airlines are trying different things. I think uh, the industry will be better as a whole. And again, in the long run, I think it can, can be okay for customers, too. All right, Pete, thank you very much for joining us today. My pleasure. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.